Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to Fiscum All, your weekly consistency check on America's political and legal file systems. I'm your host, T. Greg Doucette, and if you could probably guess from the title for this particular episode, uh, we're not doing an actual Fisk podcast this week. I frankly have not had the mental bandwidth to put one together uh, because on Friday, uh, my uh, mascot for the show... The, the friend that I've had living with me since I was a third-year law student, uh, Samson, um, had to go home. He had to be put to sleep. We uh, took him to the vet, and, um, well, long story short, things did not go well. You know, I mentioned to y'all a couple podcasts back that he had been diagnosed with lung cancer, and we kind of knew that uh, the end was coming, and we just didn't know that it was going to be coming quite as soon as it did. Um, he had developed a cough. That's how we found out about the lung cancer diagnosis. They gave him uh, hydrocodone to help with that, later gave him some uh, carprofen to help with the inflammation, and we had actually scheduled a time for him to come in and get the doggy equivalent of uh, chemotherapy. But while he was on the medicines, um, he stopped eating. I mean, he gradually ate less and less, and I, I thought in my mind that it was because the, the medicine had made his food taste funny or something like that um, and thought that he was making some kind of progress because his cough had kind of gone away. But he had a very um, a low pant, essentially. He was, he was breathing heavily all the time. And I found out that's why he wasn't coughing because he couldn't breathe deeply enough because of the cancer. He was getting fluid buildup in his lungs. Um, and by Wednesday night... When I took him out, uh, he basically couldn't use his hind legs when he came back in. He had trouble walking, which is a sign of uh, low oxygen, basically. So took him to the vet. They took the um, drained his lungs, essentially, to take the fluid out. We gave him a chemotherapy dose early to see if it would have any kind of impact. And um, he was there for basically two days, and the fluid kept coming back, and the chemotherapy drugs didn't really have any impact at all. So late Friday night, when uh, folks were out, you know, enjoying clubbing and movies and family and friends, um, I and my girlfriend went to the vet together and we said our goodbyes. So I didn't want to just not have a podcast. I know some of y'all expect to hear from us every Monday morning, um, but at the same time, it's been a long weekend, you know, I've, I've spent most of it just kind of moping around the house, you know what I mean? It's, it's bad enough to go through that experience and be there at the time that, you know, he's got to be put to sleep, but then you come home and, you know, he's got all his stuff that has to be packed up, all of the, the dog food and his pillow and his kennel and all of that, and then you go to bed and you wake up in a panic the next morning because you're wondering why the dog hasn't bugged you to go outside yet, and it dawns on you why. And it's just been very challenging. So I was basically going to spend a couple minutes on this episode just kind of talking about Samson and how he ended up in my life. So I've got basically a record of some of my memories, and then 
we were going to call it a wrap. And some point later on this week, I will try and put together a bona fide Fiskamol pod for you. But, you know, essentially, Samson came into my life by accident. So this was back in August of 2011. Uh, I was a third-year law student at North Carolina Central University School of Law, and it was the first week in August. I, don't, I can't remember why it was. I think we were having an organizational fair for new students. Um, but essentially, I was at school in a suit. I had on a full-blown suit. It was a gray suit with a purple shirt. I remember it vividly. And my girlfriend wanted a cat. She had been talking about getting a cat for weeks. And on that particular day, I don't know if she was upset about something or what, but she really wanted to go look at the cats. So we went to the Durham Animal Protection Society. And if any of you are local and you've been there, when you walk in the front door, all the cats are to your right. The front desk is to your left. And then you go straight ahead if you want to see the, the dogs and the puppies and stuff. Um, so we went in and said, Hey, we've never actually been to a rescue shelter before. So, you know, how does this work? And they said, basically you write down a number of the one that you're interested in and then come back and they'll go through all of the files of the numbers that you've written down. And we checked out the cats and that took, <laughs> it took maybe two or three minutes. I don't know if the cats just weren't attractive or weren't friendly or what, but looking at the cats did not take long. And on a whim, bear in mind, I'm in a full suit here. Uh, I told Jeannie, my girlfriend, that we were, you know, if she didn't mind, I'd like to go look at the dogs. And we did. So we, we go in, we go down to the right, because it's a series of rows. So I turned to the right, went to the rightmost row, and then uh, saw one dog, wrote down its number, went to the back, and the back is where they keep the puppies. So I looked at the puppies, but we couldn't have one of those because I didn't have the time to, to house train, basically, especially as a law student. And then we were coming... Back up the middle row, I wrote down a number for another dog, and she stopped at the kennel for a dog named Dermot, or Dermot, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, it was D-E-R-M-O-T, and she said, hey, come look at this one, because it had on the sign that he was already housebroken, and, you know, dogs typically, when you go to the kennel, they've got it trained, where they'll come to the door, and they'll put their paws on the door, and they'll give you the dog eyes, because they want to get adopted. Well, this particular Dermot, or Dermot, uh, was laying in the back of his kennel, and we both went up to the door, and I'm reading the information, and I kneel down to look at him, and he doesn't budge, doesn't move at all. He, uh, his tail bounces on the floor a little bit, you know, he does like a two or three flaps on the concrete, but doesn't even bother to try to get up. So I wrote down his number on a whim, and I had three numbers that we then took back to the front. Uh, the first dog was, had just been picked up, so it was under quarantine. The second dog was in the process of being adopted. And they got to the third one. And, and I don't know if the girl who did it was trying to act, you know, if she was trying to sell me on it or what, but she pulls out his folder, and she goes, oh, this one and like the most saddest voice you can imagine. And I was like, well, what does that mean? And she said that he had been picked up on East Club Boulevard, which is a pretty busy thoroughfare in Durham, and they, he had already been microchipped. They had actually found his family, and when they contacted him, the family said they didn't want him anymore. And during the time where he had been out on his own, he had contracted heartworms, and had also contracted whipworm, 
And if they didn't find someone to adopt him fairly soon, uh, that he was a candidate for euthanasia because he had been picked up in April. By this point, it was about August, and no one had really expressed any interest in adopting this particular dog. I think part of it is because they named him after a skin disease. I mean, who the hell names their dog Dermot? Um, But, you know, it was a very sad story. I mean, if you could imagine a grown man, I was 30 at the time, um, in a suit, just like, you know, not bawling, but it clearly had tears coming down my face listening to this story. And, uh, you know, through sniffles, I asked if I could see him. And they have a little visitation room there at the APS where you can go in and there's a window for parents to look. So if like they've got kids that want to see how the kids interact with the dog. So Jeannie went by the observation window. I went inside and sat on the bench. And I was there for, you know, maybe a minute or two when they brought the dog in. And the change from when I saw him in the kennel, the change was like night and day. You know, he was so happy. And his tail was wagging so much that like his whole like back half of his body wagged with his tail. It was crazy. And he comes inside he jumps on me again. I'm in a full suit now. Jumps on me, gets down, jumps onto the bench so that he could jump on my chest. So the first time he jumped on me, he got my legs. Jumps on the bench, jumps on me, puts his paws on my chest, and then jumps back to the ground and immediately rolls over onto his back so that I can pet his belly. And he had hair everywhere, but he was just so happy. And I had no plans of getting a dog, had not even bothered to try to prepare to get a dog, but I was sold. I told them that I was going to adopt them. I filled out the adoption paperwork that day. Uh, a donor was kind enough to have donated to, they, they have like a fund for heartworm dogs where the donors pay for the treatment. So it's easier for them to get adopted. And I had to, I had to go out of town for a week and it just happened that during that week was like the normal time that they hold on to a dog after it's adopted anyway to clean it up, make sure it's healthy, give it its first heartworm treatment and everything else. And that was how uh, this particular animal came into my life. And while Jeannie and I were trying to figure out a veterinarian, we were visiting different vet hospitals in Durham. Uh, we are trying to figure out what to name them. I had no idea because I, I refused to have a dog called Dermot. Um, and we were, at, we were at one of the hospitals. We ended up not using them. Uh, but whichever one we were at, one of her friends suggested naming him Samson with a P after Samson County, North Carolina, because that's where she was from. And that triggered to me the memory that the guy has fur everywhere. So I decided to take the P out of it and we'll call it Samson, S-A-M-S-O-N from the Bible. Uh, and it just seemed to fit. And that became his name. And a week later, when I got back, uh, we picked him up. We took him, very first thing was to the groomers because he was a mess. Then took him to the um, vet to get up to date on any vaccinations he missed, get a checkup and everything else, and uh, brought him home. And that was his first day here in my apartment. And we had bought a pillow for him and bought him some toys and whatever else. He, he didn't really pay the toys any attention, didn't sleep on the pillow. He just laid straight on the floor next to the recliner that my, uh, my grandparents had given me as like a hand-me-down where I sit most of the time. And that night when I went to bed, first thing I hear 
I maybe I've been asleep for maybe 30 minutes. I hear creaking of him jumping into the recliner. And I remember getting out of bed and going towards him and, and fussing at him. Like I had this idea that I was going to be able to train the dog not to jump on the furniture. And that was, that ended up not being the case, but I told him that, you know, he needed to get out and I was going to beat him. And that lasted for maybe 30 seconds because of course he's wagging his tail and everything else. And uh, I petted him. I went back to bed. <laughs> and as soon as I went back to bed, he got back in the chair and that became his, his regular spot. I mean, even, even until recently, there's always when I would come home, there would be slobber on the right armrest of my recliner because he would just lay his head there as he was, you know, I was at work for the day and he would drool all over it. And, uh, you know, that was that was one of his favorite spots to sleep. And it was it was interesting because as I got to know him, you know, I, I don't know what kind of life he had before I met him. I knew that evidently he had been beaten at some point with a rolled up piece of newspaper because anytime he saw you rolling something up, whether it was to pop him in the snout or anything else, he would cower and run away. Uh, he also didn't like anybody in uniform. It didn't matter if it was police or UPS or FedEx, mailman, military. If he saw you in a uniform, he would spaz out and try and eat you. It was, it was very weird because he loved everybody. Um, unless you had a uniform on, it was the strangest thing. And, for most of two years, everything was fine. I mean, he had no issues at all. It was always, it was a little frustrating when we first got him because we didn't really know how to communicate. He would always jump on me and I could never figure out why. Sometimes it was because he was hungry. Sometimes it was because he had to go out. Well, about four or five months in, I like focused really hard on training him. So I'd already trained him to recognize his new name. So what they do is they tell you that you get a little clicker and you get like a hot dog that you chump into pieces and you say his name, press the clicker, give him a hot dog piece. I'm not sure if I have the order right on that, but essentially I did that a couple hours a day for a few days a week. And before long, he realized that Samson was his new name. Well, as part of his training, I trained him that if he had to go out, that he would go to the door and paw at the door. And if he wanted to eat breakfast or dinner, uh, he would paw at the cabinet where I kept his food. And if he just wanted a snack, like a treat, to paw at the trash can. And it ended up being a very effective communication system. And we got along very well. Um, now, he wasn't always perfect. I mean, I've, some of you that follow me on Twitter will remember that <laughs> the guy, so he's like super smart. He's a beagle and he was incredibly intelligent. And he figured out how to um, basically force open my refrigerator door. He would chew at the, uh, the gasket, the little rubber thing that's in between the door and the main part of the fridge. He would chew it enough so that he could get his paw in there and his snout in there and then would push the door open and ate every single thing on the bottom two shelves of my fridge. Um, to the point where he was he was sick for like days. He had terrible diarrhea. It was a mess to clean up. Um, but not only did he get into the fridge, he could open the cabinet underneath the sink, which is where I kept his kibble at the time. And at one point, he even figured out how to open the door to the bathroom. What I realized was that the little uh, the strike plate, the thing that you know is on the wall to the door, apparently that was too far back. So that if you pushed the door at the bottom right corner just right 
the bathroom door would pop open and he could get in there and overturn the trash can and, and sniff through there. He loved the trash can. I think it's a beagle thing, but he loved the trash can. If you could figure out how to turn over the trash can, doesn't matter if there was anything in it or not, that was the first thing that he would go towards. And, you know, if y'all followed me on Twitter a while back, you might remember me being thoroughly pissed that he completely destroyed my recliner. And I could not figure out why. And it dawned on me, I had been putting the trash can on top of his kennel when I left. And he learned that if he could pull on the recliner, he could drag it across the living room close enough to his kennel so he could jump onto the recliner seat, onto the armrest, onto the kennel, and knock over the trash can. That's what. That's how my recliner ended up being destroyed. That is the story of the destroyed recliner that I still have to this day. And uh, part of that, you know, that, that all led to uh, what we had called the Samson Incident Counter. So basically, I, I got so annoyed at the times where he had misbehaved that I could not figure out a reason for it. Uh, that we started keeping track every day of whether or not he behaved himself. And if he behaved, we incremented the counter. It's kind of like the, um, you know, you see the OSHA things, however many days without an injury, same type of deal except applied to a dog. And for a while we kept track of that on Twitter and then I kept track of it on Instagram for months on end. And he rarely made it more than 30 days. And I think his high record at one point was two months. And, um, then he, I think like the next day after that, he puked the carpet or something. Um, uh, but we kept that going for years. Um, and then I guess it was June or July, give or take. Um, he had a day where he was just, he was very, very sick. He, he pooped all over the carpet like four times while I was cleaning the poop up. He puked on the carpet twice while I was cleaning that up. He pooped again and it really freaked me out. So I took him to the vet and they found a, a mass, a softball sized mass next to his liver. And basically that was bunching up his, uh, his intestines so that the food was not digesting. So that's what caused all that problems. So he had to go in for surgery, had that taken out. And that was just this past summer. And everything after that was great. You know, he, he made it to 100 days three months and some change on the Samson incident counter. And about a week before we got to day 100, he had, uh, he had started coughing and took him into the vet. They tested him, uh, put him on antibiotics to see if it was pneumonia. And that didn't help. Tested him for some kind of fungal infection to see if it was a fungus that came back negative. And it was actually on day 100. He and I were out walking on the American Tobacco Trail behind my apartment when the vet called and confirmed that he had lung cancer. And the week after that, we, uh, we went to the vet hospital to talk with an oncologist and figure out what his treatment options were. Essentially, it was, you know, pay a, a lot of money for surgery and just take out the lung lobe and hope everything is fine. Um, but we didn't know if his lymph nodes were infected as well because on the x-rays and the sonograms, it looked like his lymph node were, was infected. Uh, pay a little bit less money and give him chemo and see if that helped um, or try an oral chemotherapy and go that route. 
we uh, we couldn't do the oral part because he hates pills. He's always hated pills. I had to tuck his medicine in different foods to to get him to take it. Uh, the various times he'd been sick, you know, he'd get like a skin rash or something like that. Uh, so we had scheduled to come in and give him um, an IV of chemo for lungs. It's some medicine called venerelbine, I think. And in the time from when we had done that, uh, we we never really got the chance, you know. He we tried the hydrocodone to help with the cough, tried the carprofen to help with the inflammation, and he ate less and less. And because of that, I had to stop giving him the carprofen because you don't want to take that without a meal. Um, eventually stopped with the hydro as well. And by that time, you know, we, we get to fast forward to this week and we had to take him in. So it was it was not unexpected. You know, I knew when we got the diagnosis that that was the end result was coming. You know what I mean? Um, but in my mind, I you know, the prognosis was he had a couple months if we went the surgery path to, you know, maybe more than a year. And I, in my mind, that's what I was, I was thinking, you know, we do something and he's got at least until Christmas and then, you know, maybe a little bit longer and ended up only made it about two weeks, you know? So it's been a long weekend, but I've been grateful to all of you for reaching out and making sure that I was okay. Um, thankful to the staff, uh, Veterinary Specialty Hospital, the Carolinas were the ones that took care of him in the final days. Um, the folks at South Point Animal Hospital took care of him for six years. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the six years that he was part of my life. I try not to think about it because when I do, I start to tear up. You know, and if you can imagine a a grown man just randomly breaking down in tears, it's uh it's rough to deal with. But I'm thankful for all of the memories that I have of him. You know, there's that old saying that it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. And I, I always remember I think it was Men in Black was the movie where that line was repeated and uh I can't remember if it was is Will Smith or Tommy Lee Jones, whoever it was, you know, said try it sometime. And um, I always thought I couldn't relate to that. You know what I mean? And now I can. It's uh, it's tough. You know, I'm very grateful. But at the same time, it's uh, it's hard. So anyhow, um, I have written a post on Patreon kind of going over some of the, the stuff I've talked about here. I will, for those of you that are our Samson sponsors on Patreon, uh, next month we're going to bump you down to regular patrons um, until I can come up with some kind of other tier system to replace it. But I just wanted to thank you all so much for those of you that, that pitched in on that. Um, his his medical bills are friggin' expensive. I mean, even even as they're not expensive in the grand scheme of like compared to a human, but man, it was still a lot of money. Um, and it, it's a, like this week has just been so terrible because I had been using bill money to help cover making sure that he was okay. And, uh, Wednesday, my car got repossessed, uh, because I'd been behind on my car payment trying to, to deal with everything. And that was also the same night we took him to the vet. Um, 
So it's just been it, it, it was it's been a hell week. It's been absolutely true. And NC State lost in football to Notre Dame. So it's just like nothing has gone right this week. Um, but I thank y'all seriously. Um, I thank those of you that have been helping on Patreon. I thank those of you that reached out on Twitter and on Facebook and, and via text and phone. I will be okay eventually. I know that everyone goes through this. Uh, if you've had pets, you've had this similar experience. Um, but he was my first real pet. You know, he's not he's not my first pet. I had pets growing up, but he was my first pet, if that makes sense. I uh, my family had had dogs most of my life. You know, I when I was a baby, they had a golden retriever named Cinnamon. When I was in elementary school, they had a I can't remember if it was a poodle or a cocker spaniel or something named Samantha. We had her for a bit. And then when I was in high school, they got a Shih Tzu that they had named Chewbacca and another Beagle that they had named Buster. And. And I swore I was never going to get a beagle. That was, you know, when we, when my girlfriend and I went to the APS that day, in my mind, I had said point blank, I was not going to get a beagle because they're outdoor dogs. They need space. And, uh, you know, look what happened. You know what I mean? So my, my college years, you can't have a dog in the dorm. And then I dropped out. So I was focusing on raising the money to get back. And then I was back on campus again when I came back. So it wasn't until my third year of law school that I decided to, get a friggin' dog on a damn whim, man. And uh, and it's turned out, it's been an interesting six years. So that's, uh, that's going to wrap it up. I appreciate y'all enduring my rambling monologue about Samson for this, uh, the past like 30 minutes. Um, I just, it's one of those things where you want to talk about it to kind of unburden your soul about the things that you're thinking. But at the same time, you don't want to talk about it because it stirs up such emotions where you just you're so sad. So I figured me talking into a microphone kind of accomplishes that a little bit. I can uh, I can unburden my soul at the same time. I don't have to to deal with the looks of the people that are, are listening to me. You know, the look of pity as I'm sitting here trying to hold back tears. So anyhow, thank you all. As always, I appreciate you. Uh, I will try and get into the studio sometime this week to do a bona fide Fiskimal podcast because there's been a lot of news stories, a lot of news stories this past week. It's going to be another eight or nine page outline for sure. Uh, so hopefully that will drop later this week. Can't make any guarantees on it because I'm still a mess. I'm, I'm holding it together, but barely. Uh, but as soon as I can get back in the studio, we'll have something together. So as always, thank you so much for listening. Um, and I hope you all have a blessed week ahead.